to this month's episode of Money Mountaineering with actuary Peter Newirth, who asked the question, what's your future worth? Today's guest, or this month's guest, is David Sharp. He is president-elect of the Conference of Consulting Actuaries. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you. Yes, we are so happy to have you here. So before I turn it over to Pete, I want to tell our audience a little bit about you. Your day job is as a principal and actuary based at Bucks in Secaucus, New Mexico at that office. You're a leader in innovation, executive benefits and mergers and acquisitions. You have more than 30 years of experience working with clients in their employee benefits programs. So you also are a big deal at the CCA and we are gonna have that conversation with Pete. So take it away, Peter Newark. Well, thanks a lot, Hope and, and David. Thanks so much for joining me. And David, you you and I go way back, and we we you know we've both been actuaries for a long time, and and uh, served on various committees, and done lots of panel presentations at society meetings, uh, academy meetings, and conference of consulting actuaries meetings. And uh, you know the members of the audience probably at this point know what an actuary is, but they people might not know the difference between the various actuarial organizations. And so, uh, David, you are the president of the Conference of Consulting Actuaries. So can you talk a little bit about who they are and what role they play within the within the profession? Sure, I'm happy to. And firstly, let me say thank you for having me on your program, Pete, and hope for the wonderful introduction. Pete, as you know, and as you said, we've spoken together many times at conferences and presented together, and we're very passionate about this area. So I know that I could speak for hours and hours on end about this topic, um, which obviously we can't do here. So I'm gonna take a page out of Bill Bruford, one of my favorite drummers um, of, of from the band's Yes and King Crimson, who played a different drum part every night that drove his band members crazy. Um, but he also, when he was interviewed, he, change his answers every single time he was interviewed. Not that they were, not he didn't contradict himself, he just chose to focus on a different aspect depending on his mood. So I'm gonna kind of play it like that. And so I would just suggest that the audience hopefully will listen in to more interviews um, with me so they'll hear more um, because we can't cover everything now, obviously. Um, so I just wanted to, to leave that as, um, to lay the groundwork for, um, for how we're, what we're gonna talk about here. So going to your question as to the Conference of Consulting Actuaries and their different kinds of actuaries and different actuarial organizations. Firstly, the Conference of Consulting Actuaries, which is what I'm president-elect. Um, so I'll I will be the president shortly. I'm still waiting. Um, I just have to survive until, until the, the transfer of power to me. So when I'm president of the Conference of Consulting Actuaries runs this organization, that has many members, all the members are actuaries, but the key distinction is that we're consulting actuaries. But when I say that, I mean that in the broadest sense of the term. So it's not simply a traditional consultant. We have members who serve in different practice areas and for different types of employers, um, whether they're insurance companies, whether they're for corporations, whether they're for consulting actuarial firms, um, because they, because the common element is that we all are um, sharing knowledge and guidance um, to whoever the stakeholders are. They could be clients, they could be internal um, colleagues of ours. So the, the key element is how to present actuarial 
knowledge, which can be complex in a way that's clear and simple, well, maybe not simple, but in a way that's easily understandable to those who don't have that knowledge base. Right. And so it sounds like there's there's different flavors of actuaries within the conference of consulting actuaries. And and of course, you know, I've you and I have uh, presented a number of conference of CCA meetings, um, but always on pension and retirement issues. But it sounds like there are also uh, health actuaries and life insurance actuaries. And I mean, what is the what are the range of actuary type of actuaries that are within the conference of consulting actuaries? Yeah, so it is a wide range. Um, I would say that we do have a large number of pension retirement actuaries and health actuaries, but we're starting to grow um, into other areas as well. So there's a lot of skills um, that the Conference of Consulting Actuaries offers through our different programs, which I hope we'll talk about um, soon, um, where there are value to whether you're a life insurance actuary or a property and casualty actuary. Um, even on the health side, there's a lot of different types of health actuaries. Um, I'll give an example. We did recently a, a, a webinar on COVID um, where I moderated that webinar. And we had, I can't even say the word right, but it's an epistemologist, the doctors who study um, diseases, medical diseases. And he probably can't say the word actuary, so I don't feel so bad. And, and an actuary, a health actuary, along with a retirement actuary. So we had a, a whole set of different um, panelists to cover the diverse range of things that actuaries can cover. And something like COVID, and this was something getting into the mortality and the severity, the medical um, severity of COVID, um, and, how, and how that affects medical claims, and, but as well as mortality. So it covers a number of areas. So I bring that up as an example of, of a problem in the world or, some, or something that's affecting all of us and that actuaries have this unique skill um, to hit it from a num number of different areas and to look at it in a very holistic way where we're not just looking at it very um, one dimensionally. Well, it sounds like it's not just holistic, but also uh, there's a lot of cross fertilization. I mean, it, it it seems like one of the one of the strengths, and I've always experienced is one of the strengths of the conference is that there are different actuaries that practice in different areas. So, for example, when the retiree medical uh, 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 liabilities had to be put on the books, there became a lot of uh, cross fertilization between the health actuaries who knew about medical claims and the retirement actuaries who who did pensions. So, uh, are you finding that there's a lot of good cross-fertilization between the different practice areas within the actuarial profession? Yes, we're definitely not in boxes um, or, or we're, we're definitely um, out and sharing information. I think that's also another um, valuable feature of the conference is the networking. And when we, when we go to ev events, in-person events, which we have again now, thankfully, um, you don't necessarily know at first if you're talking to a health actuary or a life actuary or a pension actuary. And there's a, and just sharing those ideas, there's a lot of skills that in one practice area you might develop and get expertise in that's readily applicable to another area. And that's a tremendous area of opportunity, um, just sharing those ideas between actuaries of different backgrounds. And maybe it's maybe it was obvious from the introduction, but I, I want to make it clear and maybe get you to to emphasize that everybody within the the CCA basically who runs it and and who are 
who practices are practicing actuaries. And so you're, you practice in the retirement, but you also, I mean, it's not just retirement, right? That you, I mean, your expert, your act, your particular expertise and your particular day job is, uh, well, why don't you just tell us just a little bit sure. about, the, about the day so, job? Yeah. So I work for Buck, um, which is an HR consulting um, firm. And, and actually today we have hot off the news, hot off the press news that we were, that it was announced that, um, that Gallagher and company has agreed to acquire us. Um, so uh, don't know much information about it since it literally happened this morning, it was announced. Um, but so, so we're going to be part of a bigger actuarial um, company in the short future, hopefully. Uh, so, so just to throw that out there, I do work for Bach now, but maybe our name will change at some point in the future. So um, in my at my day job, as you call it, I am an actuary. Uh, my areas of expertise are in executive benefits. Um, so those are things like um, like non-qualified retirement programs that could be deferred compensation um, or other types of retirement programs that are for that are geared and set up for executives um, of corporations or of, it could be for organizations as well. And so it's a different rate, a different um, area of concern that they might have for retirement planning than, than a typical worker might have. Uh, it's often a lot more complex and a lot more um, factors go into figuring that out. Also a completely different set of laws that apply um, to make sure that there's no abuse um, under the tax law. So there's a lot of things that combine accounting, um, legal, uh, you know, tax and legal types of things, along with actuarial work as well. So there's a, there's a, you get to work not only with other actuaries, but with the whole range of other professions as well. And that's a, that's a really good thing too. And yeah. I also do a lot of M&A work as well, mergers and well, acquisitions. Um, so those are really the two areas that I focus on um, as an actuary. But again, it bridges over into other areas as well, where where I'm not the expert, but I'm working with others who are the expert to help provide a solution in these areas. Yeah, well, you know, you mentioned m and In fact, that's what I was going to pick up on, particularly since you just said you were acquired by Gallagher. And yeah, so I, I, I assume you were not part of the due diligence for the deal where Gallagher bought Buck, though. Um, right. I was not or I would have a lot more info, but then I wouldn't be able to share it anyway. So. Right. Right. Well, well, good luck. And it, it is. um. It is interesting that as actuaries, I, I've always said that, you know, I've done the same job for, for 45 years. I've just, there's been a different name on the door. So it sounds like there'll be a, maybe a different company name associated with you, but it sounds also like you're, you're still going to be an actuary because once an actuary, always an actuary. Yeah, I think so. And we do evolve, I think, in some sense that we're really you know, expanding, I think, some of the ways that an actuary is perceived um, in the world. So, you know, I think that the, the common, I guess I could call it a misperception, is that the actuary is just a number cruncher in the, you know, somewhere in a dark office figuring out life insurance or, or car insurance rates. And I guess there are some actuaries who, who really do that, which is an important part. Um, but I think that there's a lot more that actuaries do that uh, and there's tremendous opportunity beyond um, the the simple number crunching. It's really a way of looking at things. It's a way of we, we have a unique set of skills, the uh, analytical and mathematical and and quant you know quantitative skills 
that could be applied to things like risk analysis. Um, we could set up different modeling. Um, and it's a, it's a unique way of looking at things and, and forecasting and helping assess and make good decisions yes. based on what we're forecasting. Right, right. No, no one knows yeah. what the answers are going to be, but we could help guide where we think things are heading and how to what and how much to weight different factors to come up with a good solution. Yes, yes. Well, it's it really sounds like there's lots and lots of different ways that the actuarial perspective can be useful. And in your new role as president of the CCA, I imagine you've got a whole set of uh, initiatives that you're going to be pursuing. And can you talk a little bit about sure. what you will be focusing on as uh, what the CCA will be focusing on in the coming year? Yeah. So this is, this is new where, you know, as in my new role and actually as part of being president elect in that transition period, as I become president, the, the job is to come up with a strategic plan, um, which we have a strategic plan, but it's to help, shape it and and make adjustments to it or see what we want to do in the future. So firstly, I would say if anyone's listening, if you have ideas, this is what I'm working on now. So please reach out and contact me with any ideas that you have as far as what you want to see. But in, in my eyes, where I think we're heading is, first of all, the things that we've been doing all along, the strategic areas, we want to keep focusing on that and pushing that along. I think we're heading in the right direction. And those are things like our education is I think are what we're known for the most, providing technical knowledge, but also soft skills, uh, like such as leadership skills, consulting skills, which really apply to, to all actuaries, whatever your job or role is, those are all things that are very important. Um, the, and the other area, which we talked about a little bit before was the networking opportunities. We have a large number of communities. We just created a new community called the Defined Contribution Community. So we have these, communities which are virtual um, online uh, forums where people in these different practice areas can discuss things, both technical knowledge and just general questions as well. And when we have our in-person meetings, they can get together as well. So there's this nice networking going on that we are growing and I want to continue to grow that. Um, the other area is that I think it will be a key importance is on this new requirement that actuaries study bias and I'll explain what that means in a minute. But we study bias for at least one continuing education hour every year. Um, and this is brand new. This just came out last year. Um, and it's it's bias in a quantitative, but also qualitative sense. It's bias in actuarial data in, in how we assess the data and assumptions that we use and also in building models. So it's not bias in the sense of, uh, you know, the net, you know, that necessarily it's negative. It could be it's biases that we all have. All data might be biased depending on how you collected it and how you built models based on that um, bias. Absolutely. In fact, I think that's a fantastic thing that that's, it's being built into the, the educational requirements now because, I mean, I've always thought of bias as, as not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just a feature. So, and it's a feature to understand. So I don't really, I've always thought, you know, it doesn't really matter whether you're biased, I just want to understand what your bias is so that I can yes. understand the, the truth. Because, I mean, one of the sayings of what is, what do actual, what's the mission of the actuarial profession? Of course, this is a different organization is to substitute facts for, for impressions. And it's, you know, and I've always thought that the actuarial perspective 
is one that tries to provide a, a just a, a true view of what, what is. And that includes both the bias in the person that's looking as well as the biases in the stuff that you're looking at. Um, but uh, you've also mentioned these uh, communities and, um, and in particular, the, you mentioned the community of the defined contribution community. Do you get involved in the, in the decumulation problem? Because that, that's a, as you know, that's an area of, of great impact for me, which is yeah. how is someone going to live on their defined contribution account for the rest of their life? And is that something that this community is, uh, is looking at? Yes, absolutely. And, and it's something that even in my in my day job, that's something that I'm focused on, in on as well, because this is a big issue today. Depending on your background, you might know that the American employee retired with a defined benefit pension. So it was a guaranteed pension, got a monthly payment, did not have to worry about any of, of this. Uh, you know, yes, you might have had some savings to supplement that, but you were secure. You had a solid retirement uh, savings through your employer and didn't have to worry about about, and it would last for life. So it was terrific. Now with the with the decline in defined benefit programs, more 401k type plans um, and other savings that people have, people jumping from job to job. So their their money might not be with one employer. They might have they might be self-employed. Um, so they've saved a num you know some money. So there's firstly an accumulation problem. Did they accumulate the right amount? Which is one problem. But even if you have how do you then use that or you know, gauge that to, to be enough money to provide for the rest of your life, not knowing how long you will live, perhaps? So I think that's a huge area. And that is exactly one of the intents of setting up this community was to address all the new issues that are coming through in the defined contribution world, which we really didn't have to deal with it, not because it wasn't important before, but because it wasn't as big of an issue because the people retiring were older. And they had defined benefit pensions. Now, as a new generation is coming, um, it's going to become more and more vital. And it, and a solution needs to be found or a good system of doing this if people are going to be able to retire and live comfortably. Well, well, not only that, but it, it, and again, maybe I'm 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 displaying my bias, but but it seems that the defined contribution world has been really focused so much on the accumulation phase that it's, it's really the investment professionals and the investment theorists that have been kind of dominating the conversation around defined contribution accounts. But as people retire, it seems to me that the actuarial profession needs to be very much have a seat at the table because the decumulation problem is fundamentally an actuarial problem. And so thanks yep. very much to you know the, the, those investment professionals have helped people get to accumulate amount. Now it's time for us as actuaries to help the, the vast numbers of people who are have to live on those, those balances, figure out how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, uh, where actuaries do have a vital and important role to play in this area. Um, and a lot of times, you know, you might think I'll go to the investment professional but I think we could do this better. I, I talk about the six risks. There are two risks in accumulation and six risks in decumulation. And two of those risks are investment risks, but four of them are just other risks like sequence of returns, spike expense risk, 
longevity, stuff that really actuaries are expert in. And, and of course, again, I'm displaying my bias. But, you know, we're kind of running out of time here, David. So I just want to give you a, a couple of minutes to just tell tell the audience why you think, I mean, I, I've told them many times in many different ways, but I'd like to hear your perspective on why is the actuarial perspective so important right now in these times to uh, help us through? Yeah, and, and I think there's a number of things that have happened recently that make it all the more dramatically so. I think that actuaries are always important. So going back 50 years ago, I think this would have been true as well, but I think it's just been magnified and even more so today. A couple of areas. Look at COVID. COVID's an area where actuaries had a lot to offer, and I think some did, uh, but I don't think we were the the, the people who, who um, the scientists and people looking at this thought to come to for the analysis. We do this type of modeling. We look at data. We know how to understand different assumptions and how sensitive they are and, and how variable things are. And I, there were some actuaries who did get quite involved and really did offer a lot of valued perspective. And I'm looking at one right now because I know that, Pete, you actually wrote an article on COVID that was very enlightening and had some really good analysis um, in there. So I think both on the medical side, on the mortality side, and on how it affects investments or retirement security, um, there was a lot that actuaries had to offer in this area with unique um, skills. Um, in analyzing data, setting up models, I think is fundamental and key in doing it in the right way. Um, these things are not necessarily simple, so they require a lot of skill and thought. And because if you if you get one factor or variable wrong, one that's that that's highly sensitive, it throws your numbers off. Right. So again, you have to look for bias in what you're setting up and to do it the right way. Another example right. is in the defined contribution world, as people are. I think we're going to have some type of crisis or maybe some say we are having crisis. I know it's under debate. Some people say things are fine as is. Um, but in any case, it's being talked about, about you know, how people are going to be able to retire because of a lack of savings. And to the point that you were making, it's not just the lack of savings, it's then how to spend that savings. You could have the right amount, but then you don't know what to do with it. So it's another area where actuaries, I think, can play a valuable um, role, not just in helping individuals, but I think in helping society in shaping what the retirement world will look like of the future, right? This could affect what benefit programs employers offer, um, how social security looks, right? We have actuaries who help advise the government on social security programs. Um, so there's a lot of different areas that we're touching on, all of which will play key contributions to the future of our world, really. Yes, I tell you, amen. That was what I would say to that. But of course, again, just showing my bias. But uh, before I say goodbye, I do want to leave the audience with an understanding that actuaries are actually not quite as dry and boring as perhaps we have come across and talking about numbers, because you actually... Um, are a uh, you're a polar bear, aren't you? And um, yeah, a human kind. Uh, yeah, I I I love swimming in the cold water. This I, this is a dangerous thing to start the conversation with because people will think I'm crazy and maybe tune out or, or tune in. It's hard to know. Um, but yeah, I I, sw I do a lot of cold water swimming. We swim in the ocean every Sunday in the winter, November to April in the icy Atlantic. Um, it's 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 exhilarating. 
Um, it is the, it's my favorite thing to do. All right. And I imagine we're going to see you on the news on New Year's Day when those, when the news people come out and, and, and look yep. at the crazies. And, and there's going to be at least one actuary there. So, David, <laughs> this has been great. Thank you so much for being on my show. And uh, Hope, I guess I'll turn it back to you to, to close us out. Thank you. How fascinating. Polar bear, man. That's, yeah, so much more. We have to do a whole episode on that. <laughs> yeah, so audience, thank you so much for being with us. This is this January 2023 episode of Money Mountaineering with actuary and author Peter Newworth asking the question, what's your future worth? We are with David Scharf, the president-elect of the CCA. Thank you, David. Thank you, Pete. And thank you for all of our audience sharing tonight with us. We look forward to talking to you soon. Happy 2023.